The Holy Gospel according to John, the 13th chapter. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not now know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their masters, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Bleeding heart, as in she is such a bleeding heart. My dictionary tells me it refers to someone who's not just sympathetic, but excessively sympathetic, not just liberal, but off the deep end in deep left field of liberal. The phrase is usually used, my dictionary also tells me, but you know this, you've heard it used, maybe used it this way yourself. The phrase is usually used in a derogatory way containing the derogatory opinion that somebody's whiny and believe every sob story feelings have so distorted their opinions as to render them just irrelevant and not worth considering. Because to those who use that phrase as a name-calling insult like that, bleeding hearts aren't just compassionate, they are 
wimpy and out of touch with the way things really are nuts. My dictionary also tells me, and I did not know this, I found it interesting. The phrase bleeding heart, though now largely an insult, in its original use was a reference to the heart of Jesus as he suffered and bled, literally, on the cross. Reading not the dictionary, but the Bible, we are reminded that most of the words other than Jesus' own words that the Bible remembers him for us as he was crucified and died, most of the words the Bible remembers that were not his words were the words of people derogatorily judging and insulting him, calling him names, calling him nuts. Just a dozen or so hours before those nails and thorns and spear and flogging whip would draw the blood they did from him, Jesus was in an upstairs room with those who were closest to him. And they were all Jews, and so, of course, they celebrated the f- celebration of the Jewish Passover, a celebration which was celebrated around a table and a meal and a sacred story, reminding the Jews of their ancestors in Egypt centuries ago who were delivered from death, delivered from slavery, when one darkly, brightly night, sacredly, the blood of a lamb without blemish or fault, was shed. Jesus and the twelve had eaten lamb together that night, remembering the blood that had freed their people. They had accompanied it with bitter herbs, reminding them of the bitterness of slavery. They had accompanied it with unleavened bread, reminding them of the haste with which they would left Egypt, haste which left no time to allow bread to rise. And they'd accompanied it with several glasses of wine, which spoke to them of thanksgiving and redemption and hope, born and accomplished and even still promised from this night that they had been remembering now for almost 15 centuries. It was after that meal of story and meaning and remembrance with his disciples that Jesus knowing full well what tomorrow's story would be, took the wine and the bread of Passover and added to it more meaning, more to the story, more to remember, and more promise. He did it when he took bread and said a prayer of thanks, and then gave it to them to eat, saying the sacred words which Christians have remembered and repeated now for 20 centuries since. This is my body given for you. And then he took that cup and gave thanks and gave it to them to drink and said, this is the blood of the new covenant, the new relationship, the new promises, the new possibilities made possible by my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this. Eat and drink for the remembrance of me. 
And thus was born in that last supper which he had with his disciples that night, what we now know as the Lord's Supper, the sacrament of Holy Communion, the Eucharist, which whatever name we give it reminds us of and reaches to us with the grace and here and now presence of he whose hands and feet and side and back and brow and heart all did bleed for you. Of course, those hands and feet of his did something else that night for the first time too. Something Jesus also told his disciples to do and to remember. The friend who'd let them use that upper room for their gathering that night had done what good hosts also always do, and that is to provide a, a, a basin of water in that dusty, dirty, hot climb. He'd left a basin and pitcher of cool water by the door where they could clean their dirty and stinky and hot feet. It felt good. It was also polite to wash your feet when entering another's home. It was also, as you can imagine, pretty much a low person on the totem pole job to get assigned or to get stuck doing, to be the foot washer. As it turns out, there were no volunteers that night for the low person on the totem pole. And so dirty, smelly feet went unwashed. Which, among other things, can remind us that when everybody in a group thinks they're better than everybody else in the group, thinks they're number one compared to the rest of you, number whatever's, thinks they're too good to hunker down and do for others what somebody else, you know what, somebody else should darn well by now have already started to kneel down and do for me when life together is defined primarily not by a sense of compassion and a sense of common good, but rather by the all-too-common-in-our-world sense of competitive one-upmanship and ego-preening and status-parading when life together is defined by things like that rather than by things like, things like Jesus, life together pretty much inevitably, generally pretty quickly, starts to stink and stinks to high heaven. One in that room that night, of course, and for heaven's sake, was number one and was genuinely better than everybody else. One in that room that night was, by all rights, human rights, truly was too good to do servant work. But he, when everyone else had walked right by, pretending not to see the basin and towel, and instead sat down with their dirty feet stinking, he... Jesus, without right away saying anything, left where he was and took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he went to the pitcher and the basin. And then he knelt down and he washed every foot and toe in the room. And except for the sound of Peter's brief protest that he really shouldn't be doing that, 
protest which Jesus very quickly rebuffed. Except for that sound, it was silent. Silent. Except for the sound of God's work, God's love, servant kind of love, his hands. And when he was done, it was so quiet, it was loud. And he let the silent roar just be loud till he put his robe back on, went back to where he'd been, sat, and then said to his disciples, do you know what I've done? You call me teacher. You call me Lord. And you're right. That's what I am. So if you're Lord and teacher, if I have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do what I've done. The leaders of the world, he said, the ones who are in the newspapers and the newscasts, the ones everybody tweets about and posts about, the people who think they're so great and run around acting like they're so great, they expect to be served. The leaders in my kingdom, he said, The truly great, they expect to be servants. My children, he said, I'm among you. I am among you as a servant. Now I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. The word Maundy, not, uh, not Monday, but Maundy, as in Maundy Thursday, it's actually a version of an old, old English word that means commandment. It's related to the word mandate. Maundy Thursday, mandate Thursday, commandment Thursday. Actually, strictly speaking, we could call it commandments Thursday because, as it turns out, there were two that night. Do this for the remembrance of me, he said, with bread and wine in his hands. Love one another as I have loved you, he said, spoken with the wetness of foot-washing water still on his hands. And how has he loved you? Humbly and quietly with wet hands doing for others what others deemed themselves too good to do? but also sacrificially, extravagantly, with bleeding hands and feet and brow and back and heart, doing for others what no one else was good enough to do. Maundy Thursday, Commandments Thursday, do this for the remembrance of me. Love one another 
as I have loved you, from the bread and wine of that supper and the holy water of that holy foot washing, living the words and the deeds and the heart of those two commandments would call and lead, lead Jesus to Golgotha's cross. From the bread and wine of the supper we will soon share, and from the waters, the holy waters of your baptism, where or perhaps to whom, if Jesus is the one whose will is done, would living the words and the heart of those two commandments now call and lead you. Amen.